Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. It is wonderful to be in your company today. And yes, beginning today with a bit of a somber song and there, but very appropriate in Meshkachech Yerushalayim Tishkach Yemini at a time like this when uh, Israel is once again under pressure, once again under the barrage of uh, missiles, once again with um, people um, who don't believe that Israel should exist, trying to drive uh, Jews out of there, God forbid. This is um, a time when we need to think about Yerushalayim, and we need to think about Eretz Yisrael, we need to think about our holy land, and we need to think about all the people who live there, and we need to share with them our concerns and our prayers, and please God, they should all be protected. And uh, we should know no more sorrow, no more difficulty, no more problems, no more issues coming at all from uh, Israel or from Jews anywhere in the world. And so as we begin our discussion today, while we're going to be talking about the uh, week up ahead and things that we need to have in mind for today, as well as for the uh, days up ahead, including the Chag of Shavuot on Monday and Tuesday, let's please also Pray for those in Israel and pray for Israel herself. And please, God, Hashem should protect Israel and all its inhabitants. Um, and uh, hopefully, very, very soon, we will be able to see the uh, fulfillment of the prophecy of Biat Mashiach, the coming of Mashiach, when truly there will be no more hatred and there'll be no more pain and there'll be no more suffering and there'll be no more <laughs> difficulties. There'll be no more pandemics. There will only be peace and success and all the wonders and beautiful things that we have uh, prayed for for so long. But let's turn to um, a discussion about today. It, of course, is Judaism 101.9, and we are talking about today. Today being Rosh Chodesh Sivan. Today is the beginning of the month of Sivan. Now, this date is uh, a date on which there were throughout history so many different things that happened, but I'd like to focus very briefly um, right up front on three, and perhaps only one of them we will elaborate upon as we go through our discussion for the balance of the show. The first thing is that um, if we take a look back in history, all the way back to 2105, before the Common Era, that was the time of Noah, Noah and the Flood. Something significant happened on this day, and that is that it was 150 days after the rains stopped falling in the Great Flood that the raging waters which covered the earth calmed and began to subside at a rate of one cubit every four days. One cubit every four days. And of course, as we pause there to think about the sirens sounding over Israel, it is a, a very, very awesome and difficult sound for us to, to hear. Imagine what it does for those people who really have to scramble um, in Israel. So please spare a thought for them each time we hear that sound as it goes throughout the day, unfortunately. And hopefully very soon uh, those sounds will cease as well as the terrible things that it brings in its wake. So, 150 days after the rain stopped falling in the Great Flood, the raging waters which covered the face of the earth calmed and began to subside at a rate of one cubit every four days. And when did this happen? It was Rosh Chodesh Sivan, the first day of Sivan. 
Next we have on our list is in the uh, year 1312 before the Common Era, so going back 1312 years before um, 2021, um, Korach, who led a rebellion against the leadership of Moses and of Aaron, met his end when miraculously the ground split beneath them and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained to Korach and all their possessions. And when did it happen? It was on Rosh Chodesh Sivan. In addition to that, the encampment at Sinai in the year 1313 before the Common Era. So one year different from uh, the time of Korach um, on the, uh, in other words, a year before, on the first of Sivan in the year 2448 from creation, six weeks after their exodus from Egypt, the children of Israel arrived at Mount Sinai in the Sinai Desert and camped at the foot of the mountain as one man with one heart in preparation for the receiving of the Torah from Hashem. And on this day, Moshe did not say anything to them because of their exhaustion from the journey. So <coughs> the Jewish people began their encampment at Mount Sinai. And of course, Rosh Chodesh Sivan, coming as it does at the beginning of the third month in the Jewish calendar, really gets us into the spirit of what we should be thinking about and focusing on when we think about this month and when we think about the importance of this month, the third month, and particularly in a few days' time, that Chag, that festival of Shavuot, Shavuos, which is going to be celebrated on Sunday night, Monday, Monday night, and Tuesday of next week, and bringing with it the ideas and ideals of Zman Matan Torah It was the festival of the giving of the Torah. It was the festival when we received the Torah at Mount Sinai. Today we began the encampment around the mountain. We arrived there. We were getting ourselves ready. In a few days' time, that awesome, um, literally earth-shattering and mind-changing and history-altering event the time of the giving of the Torah was about to be upon us. It was about to happen. And the Jewish people were standing there ready, getting ready and prepared for that awesome, awesome moment. And that is, in fact, the major event that we celebrate on Shavuot, this festival of weeks, feast of weeks, or I don't know where it gets its name from in English. It's sometimes called Pentecost, but uh, probably to do with Penta being the time of the giving of the five books of Moses, I guess. But we celebrate the giving of the Torah in its entirety, not only the five books of Moses, but of course, the Aseretati brought the Ten Commandments, and of course, the written Torah and the oral Torah, all of which was given to us on Mount Sinai. Um, in the year 2448, three, over 3,300 years ago, standing at Mount Sinai, and we began that camp and that waiting game and that um, preparedness game that we had to have today, building up to Shavuot. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Yes, uh, it's Rabbi Michael Katz here with Judaism 101.9. Great to be with you today. Albeit that we are overshadowed in a way by the continuous sounds of the sirens that are going off over Israel and of course the difficulties that are being confronted there and we only pray that please God, uh, Hashem should protect 
um, Israel should protect all the people of Israel and uh, ensure that no one is, God forbid, hurt. And God forbid, again, many, many times, no one should be killed, as unfortunately has happened already. We uh, hope and pray that there should be peace there and that um, very, very soon we should see Mashiach and uh, have the fulfillment of all our wishes that there will be peace and there will be uh, great and wonderful things um, for all of us there and around the world and all the lies and all the hatred should uh, be put an end to and uh, we should only know good things. And with that, let's return to our topic of the build-up to Shavuot. What is this feast or this festival of Shavuot? In fact, what does the name mean? Shavuot or Shavuot means weeks. And so even without thinking about Matan Torah Tenu, the giving of the Torah, this is the festival of weeks. And it comes from, of course, um, the fact that seven weeks had to be completed between the beginning of Pesach, we call it the Surat Omer, the counting of the Omer, until we reached Shavuot. Yes, interesting fact, the festival of Shavuot is not mentioned by a date in the Torah. It is only known by the fact that it follows the seven-week count that began on the second night of Pesach. So <clears throat> seven complete weeks, and there you have the name Shavuot, Shavuot, the seven uh, weeks that have to be completed, and this is how it actually originally gets its name. But it's also known as Zman Matan Torateinu, the time of the giving of the Torah, because that was ultimately what it celebrated and what actually happened all those years ago, after we got out of Egypt, remember that the reason that we got out of Egypt was not to run wild and not to uh, be without a direction and not to be without any um, control at all, but um, actually to be freed of Egypt and all of its um, nefarious uh, restrictions and constraints and to make sure that we now could fully give ourselves over to God and fully give ourselves over to his Torah. And the ultimate was to stand at Mount Sinai and receive the Torah, which happened on Shavuot. And that's what we celebrate. Now, there were a number of very, very interesting things that took place. And perhaps to preface it by saying that there are several things that we do on Shavuot, which um, warrant explanation. Number one is, let's talk a little bit about the idea of staying up all night and learning Torah. And number two, perhaps, let's address the idea of eating milk foods, because those are perhaps two of the best known ways and means that Shavuot is actually celebrated. Yes, of course, this year we've got to remember, not only here, but in many places around the world, there are night curfews and so on that uh, unfortunately are still um, in position and therefore uh, learning uh, may not be able to take place as it always does or often does in a communal setting, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be sitting at home and learning Torah. And the learning of Torah through the night of Shavuot, that would be on Sunday night coming up, is um, something that dates back to the tradition that the Jewish people, when it came to the time of the giving of the Torah, they slept. They slept in and they had to be awakened, uh, awakened by God in the morning in order to get up to receive the Torah. That sounds very, very strange. Very strange indeed. 
it is because of this that we sit, uh, sit up and learn Torah the whole night. We don't want to be caught wanting. We don't want to be caught schloffing, sleeping on the job. God forbid, not awake to show a lack of enthusiasm for God's Torah, which we're going to re-receive on uh, Monday once again. We want to make sure that we don't show that kind of lack of application and that lack of concern, but it strikes one as being a little peculiar. Surely to goodness, the Jewish people who'd been through so much, they came out of Egypt, they'd seen miracle after miracle. They're now building up and building up and building up for seven weeks. They're getting used to the idea that they're going to receive the Torah. Now they're standing at Mount Sinai. Now they're getting prepared. They're there for six or seven days, getting themselves ready for um, the giving of the Torah. They know that it's going to happen the next morning. Why would they have slept? It doesn't really seem to all add up. Surely, to goodness, you know, you just have to drive around um, in the early hours of any morning and you see that there are some people who never sleep. There are some people who are up early. <coughs> Excuse me, there's some people who are on night duty. There's some people who get up early and, I don't know, they go to gym, they go riding, they go running, they do all sorts of stuff early, early in the morning, hopefully, to learn Torah. Surely, there was some like that. How is it possible that the whole Jewish people slept well? There is a beautiful explanation that tells us that the Jewish people, Dafka, slept. They believed that when the Torah was given at Mount Sinai, they wanted to receive it in a more spiritual fashion. And going on the fact that when a person sleeps, the neshama, the soul, actually is elevated from the body. It's one of the reasons why when we wake up in the morning, we wash our hands and so on, is the neshama, the soul, leaves the body. Isn't the first thing we say when we wake up in the morning, modeani? We say, modeani, thank you, God, for returning my soul to me. What does it mean? My soul was taken away from me. I had a kind of a miniature death. In the, in the way that I was sleeping, I was cold to the world, I was out, I was gone, I wasn't here, I wasn't functional, I wasn't able to do anything for the world and about the world, and therefore, in my sleep, my soul was elevated. The Jewish people perhaps wanted their souls to be elevated, and they took a decision that they were going to sleep, they were dafka going to sleep, they were if, if, kind of going to force themselves to be asleep so that their souls could receive the Torah on a higher level than it being brought down to earth. And of course, this was a gross miscalculation or misunderstanding, actually, in the fineries of what actually the Torah is all about. The whole purpose of the giving of the Torah, God explains, is to bring it down to earth, to make sure that we have a Torah that is functioning on earth. Our Torah, you know, for your soul to be religious is uh, the easiest thing in the world because it's naturally that way. It's naturally connected. For your body to be religious, for your material world, your physical to uh, be that way, for your yetzer hara, for your evil inclination to be religious, oh, that is something that takes a lot of hard work. That's something that we've really got to work at. And in fact, this is what the Torah was given for. It was given for us to be able to take all the physical, material things of this world and elevate them to godliness. And this is the purpose. God wanted us to have it in an awakened state, with an awareness of the fact that we have challenges, with an awareness of the fact that our material, physical self pulls us um, downwards rather than elevating us upwards, and that we've got to use the power of the soul and its connection to God and to godliness and to the Torah to elevate that body, to lift up that material, to change the uh, material into something spiritual. That is our job. That's our 
holy work that we've got to do here. And that's the ultimate purpose of why the Torah was given. It wasn't given to us to make us cleverer. It wasn't given to us to give us certain insights into things that nobody else had. Yes, of course, those are all side benefits. But it was given for us to take and to elevate the entire world, to permeate the entire world with Kedusha, with holiness. That was the purpose. And a dafka had to be when we were awake. So we schloffed. We slept. And But it wasn't a lackadaisical sleep. It wasn't something of negligence, but rather it was purposeful. We slept, meaning that we wanted to receive the Torah on a higher level. And now says God, the idea of the Torah being given to you is that you can bring it down into onto earth. You need to be awake. You need to be aware. You need to know exactly what's going on. And when that all happens, then... We can take this Torah and utilize it for its ultimate purpose, for the goal for which it was actually given to us. And so we spend our night learning Torah, getting involved in some um, spirituality or godliness, getting involved in the holiness that uh, is the Torah, and learning how we can apply it much better to our lives. And this is done through the night on Sunday evening. And yes, of course, one could argue that um, in northern uh, hemisphere countries, the night is much shorter. Our night down here is very, very long. And I don't think that the purpose, I'm sure that everybody will agree with me, the purpose is not for us to be wiped out the next day, that we can't function. But we should spend some time learning Torah. We should try and stay up a little bit longer than usual. We should try and get involved in, there is a special Tikkun Leil Shavuot, there is a special idea of Tikkun Leil Shavuot, of fixing up the night. We've got to fix what was wrong before, and it wasn't as we said before, lackadaisical attitude, but rather one of not truly understanding or valuing or really getting down to what the purpose of the Torah in our lives actually is. And when we get that right, then we have fulfilled the mitzvah of tikkun leil. We have fixed it up. We fixed it up for this year, and hopefully we will continue to fix it up here year after year come Shavuot as well and not be caught wanting or napping. Um, when it comes to our Torah, our role and our goal with it here on earth. We also eat milchik of foods. Now, when should milchik foods be eaten? There are many who believe that the entire diet of Shavuot should be milchik. It seems that that is not, in fact, correct. We should be eating proper Yom Tov meals, which need to contain, of course, on uh, Sunday night, Monday, Monday night and Tuesday, we should have meals that contain fish and meat and so on. All the things that make up a Yom Tov, a Chag meal, uh, like a Shabbat as well. But there is a time when milchik foods are appropriate. And that particularly is after we have read about the giving of the Torah, which takes place on Monday morning, and everybody should be in shul in order to hear the Torah read. Yes, we know that it is COVID times, and we remember that last year we actually couldn't go to shul. This year we do have the opportunity to go to shul, and hopefully people will turn out, and hopefully shuls will make special arrangements so that everybody can hear the reading of the Torah, the Ten Commandments, and uh, the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. It is something that men, women, and children should all make an effort to do, and when we have done that, then there is the tradition straight afterwards to eat milchik foods. Now, why milchiks? Well, first of all, that's milk foods. Why? Cheesecakes, cheese blintzes. Um, in this country, 
muktart, melktart, and so on, all those other things that um, go with and that have the flavor of Shavuot, that's the time to eat them. Following that, an hour later or so, one should eat your regular Yom Tov lunch. But let's say for the bracha, the kiddush, or uh, when you arrive home from shul, after having heard the Ten Commandments, after having heard the Torah reading on the first day of Shavuot, that is the time to eat milk foods. Now, why? What is the reason? Well, there is a whole list of reasons, and we're not necessarily going to go in there, go through them all. Let's begin with one, which is that when a baby is born, a baby lives on and uh, eats only milk foods, only eat milk milks. Yes, and as they nursed on milk, the milk contains all the nutrients and all the nourishment that is needed. They don't need to eat anything else. Well, similarly, we're like newborn babies. Um, come Shavuot, we've received the Torah, we're a brand new people, and as we do that, we too eat milchic foods reminiscent of the fact that the Torah provides us with all the nourishment that we, that we, uh, that we need, that the Torah provides us with everything that we need to sustain ourselves. We don't need anything else um, other than our Torah and its guidance. We certainly don't need any of the other uh, uh, knowledges or um, uh, historical facts or whatever, um, but the Torah contains everything, every wisdom that we could possibly need. We want to nourish ourselves with it. We want to eat from it. We want to ingest it. And this is one of the symbols of the eating of milchic foods on Shavuot. A second one, of course, is the fact that when the Jewish people received the Torah, <coughs> they received the Torah, and as they did so, they um, were immediately instructed in the um, uh, the laws of Kashrut, which they didn't necessarily have in great detail up until then. And the idea of keeping meat and milk separate or shechting animals and having to drain out the blood and so on wasn't yet um, spelled out for them. They certainly didn't have the pots or the wherewithal to uh, utilize, being that it was also a Shabbat, we understand, when the Torah was given. And therefore, they ate milchika foods on that Shabbat. And in deference to that, milchika foods are consumed first day of Shavuot as well. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Welcome back. Great to be with you. Um, it is, uh, of course, Rosh Chodesh Sivan. We're talking about Shavuot, the coming upcoming festival. But of course, between now and then, we have the what is known as the Shloshes Yemei Hagbola. There are three days of preparation before Shavuot. Um, <clears throat> this year, that will include, of course, um, Friday, Shabbos, and Sunday. Shloshes Yemei Hagbola, three days of preparation, during which we're kind of in the throes already of the festival, getting closer and closer to Shavuot, getting closer to this great and wondrous day on which the entire world changed and continued to be exactly what it was meant to be, with the Torah in it uh, being practiced, being done, being learnt and studied by the Jewish people. And of course, on Shavuot itself, we were talking about the eating of uh, milchic foods. And one of the reasons we gave, of course, was that we were like newborn babies. And another reason that we gave was that we just had the new rules of kashrut, and therefore milchic foods were and are <clears throat> a lot easier. There is uh, something else, though, that uh, has to do with the idea of milchic foods, and that is that uh, the milchic foods represent um, the purity 
um, that Torah actually uh, depicts. You know, the color white, if you think about it, is uh, the color of the Milchiks, the idea of purity. Another reason is that the mountain was called Har Gavnunim. It was called the mountain of cheese. Perhaps that was the way that it looked or what it looked like. Um, a cheesy mountain. Don't want to be cheesy at all, but uh, perhaps that is a reason. And then, of course, there are so many different uh, divergent views on exactly why it is that we eat milchic foods. But as we stated, not going to go into all of them right now. There is something else that pertains to Shavuot, which is very, very fascinating. And that is that it is on the festival of Shavuot that we also think about the harvest and particularly reading the book of Ruth. Ruth. The book of Ruth is studied or read on Shavuot, depending on different customs, but it is intrinsically bound up with Vechag, with the festival of Shavuot. And there is a fascinating reason besides the harvest and besides all the incredible things that the book of Ruth uh, depicts. There is also the idea of the fact <coughs> that Ruth was the uh, ancestor of King David. And it's King David who we think about um, on Shavuot. Uh, being uh, his your site, and we also think about the idea of Mashiach, um, who is going to come from King David, and where did it all come from? It came from Ruth, and Ruth herself was a convert, and being that she was a convert, it is fascinating that she actually um, had to take upon herself um, 606 new mitzvot, 606 new mitzvot, because the seven mitzvot that were given to B'nai Noach, to all the people that uh, came from the time of Noah, that is all people everywhere, Jew and non-Jew alike, up until that stage, um, there was, uh, had seven mitzvot, seven uh, commandments that had to be obeyed. And now, 606 new ones were taken upon um, uh, Ruth, and so it is with any convert to Judaism. Uh, they take upon themselves six new mitzvahs, and it was so too with the Jewish people as we stood at Mount Sinai. We too became, in inverted commas, converts to Judaism, taking upon ourselves six new mitzvahs. Now, quite amazing. If you take the letters for the name Ruth, a resh has a numerical value of 200. A vav has a numerical value of six, and a taf has a numerical value of 400, 400, plus 6, plus 200, 606, the name Ruth depicts the mitzvot that Ruth needed to take upon herself to convert, that any convert has to take upon themselves, and of course that the Jewish people had to take upon themselves at the time of Matan Torah the time of the giving of the Torah. Please God, we will be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So on this coming Shabbat, we read the Parsha of Bamidbar. And of course, there are going to be many people who speak about the Parsha and the many different shiurim and uh, classes that we have between now and Shabbat on this very radio station as well. But the concept of reading Parshat Bamidbar is that we're beginning the numbering of the Jewish people. Numbers. It is the book of numbers. And as we were in the desert, so we were numbered. And in numbering the Jewish people, the numbering took place to make sure that everybody counted, to make sure that everybody was significant, to, to realize and to remember that every single Jew had to be present at Mount Sinai, that the entire Torah was given to 
each and every one of us that it is something that is not just for the uh, learned and it's not just for the religious and it's not just for those who feel that they have a special commitment and attachment to it, but in fact it was given to each and every one of us equally. The Torah is accessible. The Torah is available. Let's make sure that we utilize it correctly and with a closer adherence to the Torah, to its precepts, to its mitzvot, and to learning and studying and uh, seeing because there, there, there is so much available today online and uh, on Zoom and on all sorts of um, um, uh, platforms that one can access Torah today. It is absolutely astounding just how the Torah has really permeated everything. Let's ensure that we make use of that access and that we make the Torah ours and that we re-receive it properly on Shavuot. So while we're eating our milchic foods and perhaps staying up and learning through the night and perhaps ensuring that we have a Shavuot, a Chag, a festival on uh, Monday, on Sunday night, Monday, Monday night and Tuesday that will be memorable, that will be beautiful, that will be fantastic, that will be unifying Hopefully, as we go through all of that, we will also remember that it is the Torah that has led the way for the Jewish people ever since Mount Sinai. And it will continue to lead the way for the Jewish people. Please, God, now and in the future. And hopefully, with peace um, all around, with protection for our people everywhere and for our holy land of Israel and the, the entire Jewish people will very, very soon be able to see the coming of Mashiach, who we know his descendants had all to do with this Chag of Shavuot. Hopefully that will happen very, very soon. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat ahead, a great Rosh Chodesh, a Chodesh Tov, a great month of Sivan and a wonderful Chag of Shavuot coming up, as we have mentioned, Sunday night, Monday, Monday night and Tuesday. Look forward to being with you again next week, same time, same place on Judaism 101.9.